Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burugun campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. About an hour ago, as I say, I discovered that I would be giving the message now, not in two days' time as I was anticipating. So, trusting God, let's end the war. If you're relatively new to Mount Pleasant, two things that probably I should point out from our preaching team's point of view. Our speakers, it's very important for us as a speaking team, first, to be faithful to the scriptures. And secondly, that not only are we being faithful to the scriptures, but what we're saying on any given week is what we believe the Lord wants us to say out of everything that's in scripture, as best we can discern as a team together, this is what he wants us to say. I was given the privilege of choosing the passage for today's uh, service connected with Anzac Day as it is. And a couple of weeks back, I'd come to the point where I still had nothing. And I actually said to Mel, look, I'm, I have so much, nothing is an aspirational goal for me. When I see Nick tomorrow, I've got a scheduled meeting. I think I'm going to say to him, maybe someone else should be giving this talk. And the next morning, just before six, I was just lying in bed and a message just dropped into my heart and mind. So I took that to Nick and, and some others in the team and they thought, yep, we think that's God. So I share that with you now. And if it hadn't happened that way, I simply wouldn't be ready right now to speak. But as I do, would you ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you? Uh, You may be brand new to all of this sort of thing, but but I invite you to say, look, God, if, if you're there and if there's something you want to say to me, I want to hear it. Or maybe you've come to church for many years. Well, don't let this just be another Sunday on the telly. I invite you to ask the Holy Spirit if there is something in this message for you that you will hear it. And so, Lord Jesus, we do invite you to come. And Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Would you speak to us and would you reveal Jesus and the Father and the great love for your sake and your glory and in your name? Amen. Many years ago, actually, sadly, many, many years ago, I used to sing in a folk group and we used to sing a Simon and Garfunkel song. Last night I had the strangest dream I ever dreamed before. I dreamed the world had all agreed to put an end to war. I dreamed I saw a mighty room. The room was filled with men and the paper they were signing said they'd never fight again. And when the papers all were signed and a million copies made, they all joined hands and bowed their heads and grateful prayers were prayed. And the people in the streets below were dancing all around and guns and swords and uniforms were lying on the ground. (laughs) If only it was that simple to end war. Why is war such a part of the human condition? Why is it so universal ever since Cain slew Abel? Well, it's a It's a question that's asked directly in Scripture, in the book of James, and that's our first reading today. James chapter 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you can't get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You don't have, because you don't ask God. And when you do ask, you don't receive, 
because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So James is saying the wars outside are coming from the wars inside. They're simply reflecting a battle within. Wars on a personal, family, community and national level all start within individuals. And if you said hands up those who agree with this, these three guys would definitely put their hands up to agree. Plato said, the sole cause of wars and revolutions and battles is nothing other than the body and its desires. Only the dead have seen the end of war. Cicero writes, insatiable desires overturn not only individual men, but bring down the state. From desires spring hatred, schisms, discords, seditions, and wars. And Philo of Alexandria wrote, the continual war, even in times of peace, is present with every individual man, unspeakable raging storms in men's souls. And then from the other end of history, our current culture, it's reflected in the Australian Stock Exchange or any stock exchange. Do you know that the stock exchange, I was watching the, uh, the business report on the television news the other night and the commentator began with these words. The stock exchange is run by fear and greed. And then he went, to, he went on to point out there is a fear greed index and it's, he said, deliciously named was his quote, the euphoria panic index or the panic euphoria index. On Good Friday, I really sat back in my chair when Nick said to us, Australians are more lonely, anxious and medicated than almost anywhere else in the world. And he wanted to say that makes no sense. So I, I checked it out, not because I doubted him, but just to find more detail. And I always, Hugh McKay used to be the famous Australian, noted Australian social researcher. He was almost my go-to person when I was on radio. So I, I looked up Hugh McKay and I found his 2019 Australia Day address. And he talked about this over-medicated, anxious, smartphone-addicted society. Young adults who use smartphones the most report the highest levels of loneliness and anxiety. Young adults. One in four Australians report feeling lonely for at least half of every week. Spending 50% of their week feeling lonely. Do you notice in verse 3 in our reading, James says, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives to spend it on your own pleasures. In other words, you're actually seeking to recruit God to be your assistant. Do you remember we had Brian Pickering some years back teach us in the School of Prayer that the human view of prayer is that prayer is an activity seeking to get God's cooperation to give me what I want. And actually prayer is God seeking our co cooperation to give us what's on his heart for us. That word pleasures in Greek is, is the hedone and it's where we get our word hedonist. But the modern use of hedonist is not quite what James is talking about here. In fact, Eugene Peterson, <laughs> Peterson? Eugene Peterson captures it really well in Colossians 3. It's doing whatever you feel like, whenever you feel like it, grabbing whatever attracts your fancy, a life shaped by things and feelings instead of God. Or Richard Foster in Money, Sex and Power, I think he, he nails it. He says, we love our own way more than we love divine fellowship. 
We love our own way more than we love divine fellowship. The war within is a war. It's all about control, the scripture teaches. It's all about ultimately who calls the shots, who is God in your life. The, the, the uh, God's Word translation talks about desires that fight to control you. And uh, the literal translation of this passage talks about your passions like soldiers marching. There's a war going on inside. There was inside me. Although there is inside all of us all the time, I guess. But I was, as a youngster, I was in a very loving nuclear family, but a very dysfunctional extended family. And that meant we moved a lot. The longest I had in any school anywhere was 18 months. So we're always on the move. And that, plus my particular personality, plus the culture I grew up in, where bullying wasn't seen as a problem, it was life. You just dealt with it. That damaged me. And then when the moving around and the bullying stopped, I thought the damage had stopped. But my deep insecurity had not. And I was almost totally unaware of it. At the same time, this kid who never belonged anywhere in school or in society, in, in culture, in community, always felt like the new person. I always had an interest in God. So I started with the Anglicans, then got involved with the Evangelicals, then got involved with the Pentecostals. I kind of ended up an Anglo-Evangelico-Baptocostal an Anglo who occasionally sang mass for the Roman Catholics as a music student at university. But in those days, the divisions in the church were toxic. So I didn't feel like I belonged there either. I was in a kind of a parallel universe, though, because as I settled into a particular church, I started moving through the church system. And in my 20s, I was playing piano. I was leading worship. I was starting to speak, youth leader, sitting on church governing bodies, diaconates. But I was wounded. And uh, I felt after a particularly painful experience in a particular church, both to me and also I felt like they'd really let my wife Merle down. I'd keep going because Merle married a church attender. I still had a relationship to Jesus, but I kind of just checked out. In fact, this is what it looked like. A padlock over shut doors. I was detached, shutting down, isolated. I was self-destructing. My girlfriend, then fiance, then wife was warning me about self-destructive behavior in my life. And like many a man, I steadfastly ignored that advice. I knew it was there, but I had no idea why. And I had absolutely no idea that I was actually self-medicating. These dangerous behaviors were tied in to the pain in my life. Internally, the mother of all wars was going on. And I had very little idea about it at all. And I just wonder where the war is in you. And I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to maybe be talking to you about your internal reality. No matter where you are on the faith journey or if you've never started one, about what's going on inside. See, I, I had a broken heart, so I was breaking hearts around me. Hurt people hurt people. I needed light in my darkness. I had no idea why. On the occasions when I wanted to control these behaviors, I couldn't. 
And I needed to be free. I no longer had these behaviors. They had me. In fact, Romans 7 talks of this war within. I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. I don't do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do, I keep on doing. In my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law in me waging war and making me a prisoner. In his goodness, and there's no time to go into it now, God brought me to where I finally really realized this. And my prayer was, God, I don't know if you want me or you don't. And I was just being gut level honest. I don't know if you want me or you don't, but if you want the rest of my life, you can have it. If you want the rest of my life, you can have it. Do you know, I had no idea that what I had just said was about to end the inner war. There's a lovely story of Jesus going back to his hometown in Nazareth and he is handed the scroll of the scriptures and he reads from Isaiah, Isaiah 61, and then says, this day, this scripture is fulfilled. And the people in town knew this carpenter's son was claiming to be the Messiah, to be God. And they wanted to throw him off a cliff. Let me share with you the words he read. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They'll be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You know, I'd been around the church for years. I knew a lot about those words, but I never really understood those words. I knew a lot about the one who said them, but I didn't really, I knew a lot about him, but I didn't really know him. I didn't understand Jesus' character or my father's loving heart. I was projecting my self-hate onto God and thinking he must see me that way. I'd played that song, something beautiful, something good, a gazillion times. But in desperation, I had finally come to where I could honestly say, all I've got to offer you is brokenness and strife. wonder if you're there right now. It was a wonderful moment because that moment is good news. At the start of that reading, Jesus says, the sovereign Lord is on me to proclaim good news to the poor. Do you remember when Simon introduced the Beatitudes, he talked about the poor in spirit and he said, that's those who realize they are beggarly poor. They bring nothing to the table. They're utterly dependent on God. And that's exactly what I was saying to God. There's nothing within me to commend me to you, God. And his strength, I discovered, becomes perfect in our weakness. Simon talked about the richness of this poverty. See, Jesus came to bind up the broken heart. I needed my broken heart healed. Jesus came as the healer. The broken heart of the widow in the town of Nairn, Jesus gave her back her son. The broken-hearted Jairus whose daughter had passed away, Jesus brought her back to her parents. Mary and Martha in the loss of Lazarus, He's a healer. And if you have a broken heart, he can bind it up. Freedom for the captives 
deliverance. It's what I needed. The Bible talks about a man who was so oppressed by evil and the war in him was so great. He was naked and chained and terrified everyone around him. And when Jesus touched him and the crowd came back, they found him clothed and in his right mind. I needed light. I had no idea what was going on inside me. And Saul, anxious to kill Christians, was hit by the light of Jesus' presence to such a degree that he was knocked to the ground and blinded. And he became Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. He is light. And he said, I've come to bring the year of the Lord's favor. He's the restorer. And the wonderful thing about the year of the Lord's favor is that all property that had been taken from you had to be returned. Jesus stands today and says, I can give you back everything that has been stolen from you. I am the restorer. It talks about ashes in this reading and ashes are such a symbol of all hope gone. Do you realize you can't build on ashes? You pick up ashes, they crumble in your hands into dust. And yet Jesus says, now I've come to comfort those whose hope is gone. In fact, that's the, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the comforter. He said, I've come to give you beauty for those ashes and joy for your mourning and praise, a garment of praise instead of this heavy cloak of despair that's been sitting on you. When Mary came to the tomb on Easter Sunday morning, she came in ashes, hope gone, in despair. And she heard someone she thought was the gardener say her name, Mary. And if you hear him say your name as you watch this, everything changes. Everything changes. And finally, he's a planter. He is the one who plants. You will be oaks of righteousness, a planning of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I love the fact that Jesus said to his disciples, you didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. He is calling to you and he has a place for you to be and to be fruitful. So one final vital question. How does he do this? How, how does he bring beauty for ashes and joy for mourning and praise for heaviness? How does he set us free? Well, he did it through obedience. He did not consider being equal with God something to be grasped, something for his own pleasure. Not like those in James 4. No, he made himself a servant obedient to death on a cross, the shameful, painful, horrific death of a cross. Why? For you. He said, I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the Father's will. And I love the fact that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Abba, Daddy, can this pass? But if it can't, not what I will, but what you will. So let me finish this morning by saying you win this war, not by fighting. You win the war within by surrendering, by surrendering. 
as Jesus did, surrendering to his father's will, doing the things his father wanted him to do. See, some uh, there's, there's a lovely translation of Romans 6 by Peterson says, some acts of so-called freedom destroy freedom. Offer yourselves to sin and it's your last free act, but offer yourself to the ways of God and the freedom never quits. But when you do surrender, as C.S. Lewis puts it out, imagine you're a house. When Jesus first moves in, you think, well, he's doing what I thought. He's, he's patching up the roof. He's making sure the drains are cleared. He's fixing up the stuff I know needed fixing. But then he says he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and doesn't seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is he's building a very different house from the one you thought of. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. But he's building a palace because he intends to live in it himself. The Lord, when he speaks to us, very often will be saying, I need you to let me take this out of your life. It's the key to your freedom. It's crippling you. In fact, Paul uses the image of circumcision when he talks to the Colossians. In him, you were circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands, your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit is making very clear to you what Jesus is saying. Let me have this. Surrender this to me. Trust me. Let it go. We began with that quote from Richard Foster. We love our own way more than we love divine fellowship. Jesus said to Peter when he reinstated him in John 21, Peter, do you love me more? I pray that as you listen to the Holy Spirit this morning, you'll surrender to Jesus the things he's wanting to take. Because when you do, life issues out into joy and peace and beauty and praise and healed hearts and hope. And he has a plan just for you. Pray with me. Father, pray that in all of these words you have spoken to us. Holy Spirit, as you are making plain to us what you want to take from us because it is crippling us. How you want to end the war within as we surrender to your love. Give us the grace to do that now in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.